0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre sales to select campus events while supplies last make every tap music to your ears.
1: Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for ways to win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? coach cal and i'll share some wisdom from our time coaching and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges you gotta win every day find the ways to win podcast anywhere you listen
2: hey welcome in i'm doug gottlieb and uh, you're listening to all ball and we're we're actually in las vegas and this podcast was recorded live at NBA Con. And, um, you know, it's amazing how my job works. And there are times in which you get into the daily radio show, the Doug Gottlieb show, which is broadcast live every day from 5 Eastern 2 Pacific, to Pacific, two-hour show. Then we do an hour podcast that's called In the Bonus. All it's doing well, but, you know, you get in the summer and you're kind of You know, you're kind of shuffling along. How how can I talk about sports? Make it interesting. And then you come to NBA Con. And I was excited. Um, We'll drop a pod in a day or two with Josh Childress. We have other great pods coming for you uh, from Vegas. I think you'll really enjoy. But Joey Graziano sat down next to me. He is the SVP of global marketing for the NBA. And I wanted to get into his personal story in an effort to... You know he's a college baseball player, and one of the things I love about college basketball, college baseball, college football, and it's not that I push back on yeah, I push back on nil, but it's like the real value is in the people you meet, the things you have to do, and how you get to have a great job in real life using not just the connections you make in your sport, but also a lot of the little fundamentals of what it takes to make it in sports. It takes to make it in life. What you're about to hear is. Not planned. Okay, completely organic conversation. Oh, yeah, by the way, the NBA's new NBA Cup is also his baby. It'll also be in Las Vegas. We talked about it as well. We kind of had to get it back to basketball at some point. But I, I would love to tell you that I had this planned out, that I knew his personal story. And that's what most of the pod would be about. I cannot tell you how riveting this is, how... In many ways, gut-wrenching it is. And I, I'm i going to promise, I don't promise many things on this podcast. I like to sometimes cut them up. You know, we, we get the way it really works. Okay, It really works is sometimes we get these, and this is a really long one. Um, The way it really works is we cut them up. We have a hour, hour and a half long session. We cut them up. And if we can get three out of them, it's great. The numbers are great. Numbers are great. You like it more. We make more money. Everything is good. This is too good, and I would just settle in and listen to this pod, and maybe grab a tissue. Um, it's definitely going to make you think some strong thoughts of your own. But i I want to start like by thanking Joey because I mean. We just got him to put down his cell phone because he's putting out fires. This is a massive conference hall we're in at the Mandalay Bay, which is going to be the radio row site for the upcoming Super Bowl, as well as for the upcoming NBA cup. It's this it's gigantic. There's a concert kind of going on. There's DJs, there's a basketball court, there's drills, there's shoe shoe con is going on as well down the hall. A lot of stuff going on. And I think he thought we all thought he's just going to promote the event and tell us about the NBA Cup. We talked about that, but if you want to hear personal stories and how your life can change in a couple hours as a high school senior, um, I, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy this pod. Without further ado, here's our live pod from NBA Con. We're live here at NBA Con. One, All right. Who can one. say they were at, they were at the first one? It's like the guy who's like, I was at the first. Remember that commercial with the guys that have been to every Super Bowl? And they went to the first Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And the Super Bowl started, and they had like a marching band at halftime right now performing at halftime hell Chris Stapleton's national anthem is like the iconic national anthem of all time and that was this past Super Bowl by the way Vegas the site of I think this year's Super Bowl right that is so and we're at the Super Bowl huh? Ah, the Super Bowl of the NBA and the Super Bowl of the NBA I think is going to be here in December as well the guy to help us kind of break it down for us is Joey Graziano who is a senior vice president of what, global events yeah okay and uh, okay so uh, you're a baseball player in college.
3: Yep. You get done at Georgetown. Yeah. What'd you do? I, uh, so I, I kept playing for a little while. I moved to the Dominican Republic. Um, had a nonprofit there called Baseball Libros. Uh, the idea was to be able to, I grew up in New York City, was playing ball. My dad was a New York City fireman, so I spent a bunch of time in Spanish Harlem. And the thought was I wanted to be able to sort of reconnect with that, and, uh, and so we built a school there to be able to incentivize literacy, mathematics, uh, convince kids that you could be able to play baseball at a high level without having to forgo the academic side. Um, from there, went to went to Georgetown Law School. But hold on, wait, you you opened some doors there. Okay? I was Yeah. Because
2: Georgetown was 2002 to 2005. Dad was a New York City
3: firefighter. Yes. So that means 2001. Yes. You're in high school. I was. You said I could ask you anything. You could ask me anything. Where were you? Um, uh, 9/11. Yes. Where was it? Um, I was I was a senior in high school. Um, my my father is was a fireman at Engine 22 Ladder 13 Upper East Side of Manhattan. Um, my father is the last person to leave any Twin Tower alive. My dad's entire firehouse um, passed away. Uh, I lost um, incredible incredible men who were great, very close to me. I spent my my early years uh, at Randall's Island in New York. Um, you know, we were playing softball every Thursday, so you not go to not go to school. I mean, that was the one rule in our house was you didn't have to go to school on Thursdays if you wanted to go watch Dad play softball. So my heroes, um, you know, growing up, were not were not you know Dave Winfield and Don Mattingly, um, but they were they were these Giants. Ooh, um, you can name them. Uh, yeah, they I mean inc- incredible nades You know, Greg Stajak, who was a pitcher at St. John's, who you know taught me how to play ball, and then um, you know ended up being somebody who I can remember watching one of my high school games when I was a junior in the state championship was there at that game last game he ever saw me play the following the following fall obviously things changed. so names like that that um you know mean a lot to me um the the guys of the guys of engine 22 ladder 13 um and their families are you know a driving force in in my everyday reality it's incredible you know I I uh I was actually,
2: I was a professional basketball player. I played a year in Russia. Yeah. And I came back, and I played with the Lakers in the Summer League. Summer League was at Long Beach State back then. And then I came back to uh, Oklahoma, and uh, I trained at, at Oklahoma State. And what I would do is I would go and do uh, fill-in radio. Yeah. And the guy who was the big afternoon drive host there, was a guy named uh, Jim Traber, and he had been a, he played for the Orioles, and he was like a local legend. And he was the color guy for the Diamondbacks, so the Diamondbacks won the World Series, right? Yeah. They were really good back
3: then, and so uh, it was—they broke Yankee fans' heart that year. Uh, they, I mean, they, 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 they Luis did. Gonzalez, like, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, my dad, my dad threw out the first pitch of that ALCS. Um, my dad's a baseball guy. Uh, that was that was the that was the Jeter, um, you know, saved the series, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, uh, one with of the, the greatest A's? plays of all time. Yes, yeah, that was that series. My dad threw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. Um, on uh, I'm not serious. Well, that, then that makes it that the greatest first pitch in Yankee Stadium because I was thinking I was going to ask about the George Bush
2: first pitch in Yankee Stadium, which is, iconic, you know, very iconic. I, I, iconic, iconic, iconic as well. But I, yeah. I mean, I, I, reme- I mean, look, I remember that day, and then uh, later, obviously working at ESPN, the ones not CBS, we lived in Westport, and so many of those families were, yeah. were, were affected, uh, uh by, by 9/11. Uh, man, I, I can't imagine, and I, I, can imagine why you went away from home to to go to, yeah, to go to Georgetown, you know, yeah, and, instead of playing for. For St. John's, so
3: you're you're doing a nonprofit, you're playing ball, you're in the yeah. Dominican. How'd you get to the league? Uh, so, so I I ended up leaving. I was uh, I went and went went to law school. Uh, so I was at Georgetown Law School for a number of years. Thought that's probably where I would spend some time. I I was fortunate <laughs> enough. I won a fellowship. I moved to Ireland for a little over a year. Uh, in the middle of my law school, I boxed professionally. Actually, the first time I got to play hoops again um, was I played I played for the Galway Collegiate Basketball team. You can imagine, like, I've got a bunch good, of 18-year-olds. Hey, hey, a good
2: friend of mine, uh, Dave Rebson, works for the Big Ten Network, yeah. he went and he studied abroad, Yeah, and he played basketball oh, in Ireland hey, too. And he that was where he told me, and I don't know if this is true, he said, you know, they, they say in Ireland and it's that the um, closer you are to...
3: Uh, uh, the Guin- Where they make the Guinness, the yeah. better the beer is. I think that's right. Is it true? I think. I mean, I was drinking more of the whiskey, but, yes. uh, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that I think that's 100% uh, right. So you got
2: a fellowship, you go to Ireland. Yeah,
3: go to Ireland. I come back, and then I'm now a practicing attorney, and I practice at Jones Day. I expected to probably spend a big portion of my career there. It, it was a great firm. I learned a bunch. I had, I had great work. What type work. of law? Uh, so I was white-collar criminal defense work. Um, yeah, uh, saving saving kids, um, <laughs> and uh, and I thought I you know I thought I'd be there for a while, and there was a family who was very instrumental to my family during 9/11. They're the reason I got to go to college, um, and that family they happened to own a small business in DC, and a um, guy asked me to have coffee with him. He said he was going through a bet to company litigation. There was a fraud issue with his with his CEO, and he was like, I need you to leave the law firm and come work for me. I knew we are gonna have to rebuild this entire thing. And so uh, my dad's rule in our house growing up was if your neighbor's house is on fire, you run towards the fire. It's the only rule he ever gave us. He didn't believe in anything else, simple man, simple rules. And uh, so I left, I went to the managing partner's office that afternoon, gave my two weeks notice, walked out of a law firm and a big paying job and ended up at a company that had 20 employees and no real office with a bet the company litigation that was on the front page of the Washington Post on my first day. Uh, it was a small business that was taking care of kids. And uh, and so allegations of fraud in a, in a very popular small town become a very very big deal. And uh, we rebuilt that company. I became their chief operating officer, went from 20 employees down to one, took it back up to a thousand, Wild successful creating immersive versions of Disney, hyper localized versions of Disney World around sports. We had a third of the Major League Baseball the IP, the first companies. Um, and, uh, and then five years later left um, and was thinking I was going to, I was going back to New York and I was going to take some time. It had been a crazy run and I was going to write this story about my dad's firehouse. That's what I wanted to do. I was coming back to t- to do the interviews, to start taking the notes. I wanted to write this story, right? I didn't know what I was going to do with the story, but I wanted to write it. And uh, while I was there, someone asked me, "Would you go have an, an interview with with my boss at the NBA, Kelly Flaydo?" And about ten minutes into the interview, she said, "Can I bring HR in?" And uh, next thing you know, I'm talking about a job with the NBA in a way I, I was never. What years is this? This was five years ago. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and at the NBA, I've had. I mean, I, I don't want to dwell on the 9/11 because I know it's
2: it's so emotional. Have you Have you ever asked your dad about the day?
3: Y- yeah. Um, so I've gotten into one fight with my father. I appreciate this, by the way. Yeah. I, I, I truly do. I, I, <laughs> I've gotten into one fight with my dad. It happened to be on September 10th. Oh. Um, as you know, senior, you, you were an athlete. I was an athlete. I was, at that point, thought I was, I was good. I wasn't good at anything, but I thought I was good. Um, and my, my father, um, said that the coach from Haverford, was one of the all, Dave Beccaria, one of the all time great human beings on earth had been reaching out, reaching out, reaching out and trying to recruit me. And I was like, Haverford, I'm a division, I I'm a division one baseball I player. Division yeah. Three, right. yeah. Um, and I didn't, and I, and I wasn't being respectful in my responses back. I, I was just letting him reach out and not respond. And my father told me that, uh, you know. In this house like if somebody offers you like you call him back and you say no and you can say no but you say no as as a man when you call him and I refused to and I told him that he never went to college he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about and um, and that's how I slammed the door I said a bunch of other expletive words uh, as I walked up the door and my father went to work before I saw him again so I, I I thought my father had passed away until the next, into the twelfth, was when we fig- finally found out my dad was alive. So, so,
2: um, where are you
3: on the eleventh year of high school? I, I'm, I'm a senior in high school. Yeah. Um, and then how did how did you guys find out? Because I
2: I was I was driving in a car yeah. from Stillwater, Oklahoma to Oklahoma City, and I heard it on the radio, and I thought it was like a spoof of War of the Worlds. Yeah. And I walked upstairs to the radio station, and that's when the towers were on fire, and I saw them both come down. Paint paint the picture for me for that day.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was in I was in I was in school. We were in a science. I mean, I can remember taking a biology test. We took a test. We like we get notice that something had happened, and that if your parents were are in the World Trade Center, you could come down to the library for the guidance counselor. And my dad had been at the 96 World Trade Center bombing. I knew my dad was working that day, but I didn't think anything of it. I just was like, keep going to school. Kept going to school. At lunch, we, I saw the first video, the news of the, of the towers and things, like, and I was like, this is not good. But I, again, didn't recognize how bad it was. My, my best friend, um, his mom worked in, in one of the other smaller towers, and I was more worried about her. Um, so we went. He picked me up. Like we went to school together. He drove me home. We first went uh, to to check on uh, to check on his father. We went to his father, who's a, Gar- a Ga- Garden City High School guidance counselor. We stopped over there. Was like, is everything okay with mom? She was fine. But um, then we get home to my house, and I knew things were wrong the minute I got home because the cars were lined up in my driveway. Um, this is before cell phones like i didn't right. own a cell phone yeah. so there's no way to me to get a hold of anybody and i knew and my mother was cooking my mom does not cook small irish woman like we do we do take out we don't cook um and uh she was cooking and when i walked in and my my aunts were in the in the kitchen and i knew immediately stuff was we, things were not good my mom had heard from my dad early in the morning and then that was that was the end um, and, uh, we ended up not finding out for a- hours later, uh, when somebody said they thought they saw my father. Um, and then it wasn't until he came home after, you know, about two thirty in the morning. So my dad had been carrying somebody out from the 24th floor. Um, he had met his, the rest of his firehouse in the lobby. Um, and he was carrying somebody who had a, had a heart condition. He kept carrying that man. He jumped on top of the man building came down. My dad was outside my dad's fireman and fellow firemen were inside the tower in the lobby um so my dad i've seen the video my dad was my dad was buried alive and then ended up and, and ended up being able to get out and and uh you know his fellow firemen were not Two thirty in the morning do you still have like soot and dirt all like all, I'm yeah, all he, over him? He, he came, yeah he came home um and and i can remember the first thing he said to me was they're all gone that was that was the first words i've had i've my father and i have had one real protracted very long conversation about it which I sat with him it was a night we were together just the two of us in Florida and talked for a very long period of time about it Um, but that's probably the the extent we've ever talked about all the details Uh, thanks for sharing that
2: (laughs) I don't know how I transitioned to the NBA but I'm going to have to Um, give me a second or are you good? no I'm good good. okay Um, so you get so they offer you a job
3: they did. Did they tell you what you're going to do? Uh, I mean, I think as much as any place, like they referenced, it was in our global events, we were talking about how do you how we were making a larger direct-to-consumer uh, transition at the NBA, identifying more ways to be fan first, because our, our teams have always been incredibly fan first, but the league has, has been different. And um, as we're making that transition, we've talked a lot about, can't it be more than just content? you got to give fans experiential opportunities. and. That's obviously what I had spent the last couple of years at, at Headfirst doing was building this very big experiential business, um, and that was exciting. And the ability to be able to do it globally was the thing that probably hooked me in. Um, and you know, on day four at the NBA, I was on a flight to Mumbai, India. Um, you know, we put on the first first ever North American professional sports league games in India. Um, so it's was, it was those kind of opportunities. I was in China, um, you know, when our, when our business opportunities changed and we had to react there. I was you know, on the ground, ground first person to enter Florida for the bubble, the last person to leave. So I think it's been these kind of incredible opportunities and now we're at another one launching a, a brand new business, our second big experiential business of the year. We launched a business called NBA Experiences, which is our premium experiential business, uh, giving fans from around the world the opportunity to be able to come to NBA events and interact with our fans and our players in, in unique ways, um, and now NBA Con. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com
1: and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for ways to win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new
2: podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How challenging is it?
2: um, Because I think it's all tied together, right? I want to talk about the basketball tournament that you guys are going to have. How challenging is it to build out this business of experiences paying thousands of dollars and you're in this wave of, of load management in the NBA like yeah. wait sorry dude we got these people coming and you to play tonight yeah what is that like from from where you sit
3: well, I think a lot of it is we're really excited about all the facets of the NBA right like I mean there's so many ways for our fans to be able to connect and we know from my side our fans are as interested for all the dynamic reasons of our players. I think of our players as investors, as entrepreneurs, as social justice advocates, and when we build experiences, I wanna target all of those things. So I love I love our on-the-court product. Nothing is more important than the on-the-court product and everything that we can do. To ensure it is at the highest levels, which the in-season tournament, which we're announcing, is another way we're trying to do that. Add more competition at, at every level. Um, but I also think it, it's as important to recognize the complex humanity of our of our players, um, and to give our fans an opportunity to be able to get close to that. And so, when we think about building experiences, you know, you get a we're in we're in Paris and we're doing a shoot around on the court with Tony Parker, like that's an experience that, it, in, my, in my opinion, is priceless. You're talking in his home country, in that moment, being able to give 12 fans that opportunity to be able to connect to that level. The behind-the-scenes access that we can offer as you build things, I think fans are craving that extra authenticity. They wanna know the raw moments, and I think a business like NBA Experience is able to offer our fans a number of those raw moments as we build things, as we as we interact, and, and so I think we rely on that entirety of the experience.
2: Okay, so, who was the who was the lady or man who said I got it NBA Con <laughs> like was there you guys having a, 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 a you know barnstorming a, a, a brainstorming session right yeah. you got a whiteboard up there and like what do you think like ah oh, let's do NBA Island like yeah. no let's do the Bachelor NBA like no let's do NBA Con like Huh. huh?
3: It who, worked. Who yeah. was it? So it, it's an it's an interesting story. There was um, so a couple four over four years ago, we've been working on this concept um, to try to launch this new business. So there's a gentleman here, a guy named Ron Walden, spent his career at Nike and at Jordan, um, and he had before I got to the NBA, flown to China to meet my boss Kelly um, and convince her that this was a great concept. And he had, you know, an old slide deck, which I still have um, talking about. And when I got here, one of the first things Kelly handed me was like a deck. She was like, is there anything here? And and it was some, you know, as we were thinking about all these new businesses, I was like, I, th- I think there could be, maybe there's something here. And, uh, and NBA Con was written on that deck. So it's a name that came from Ron. Um, and he had spent some time building some of these other businesses, Complex Con. Um, and I think he thought that there was... there was. Is, a- is Comic
2: Con the first...
3: Con? Con, yeah, Comic Con is Comic Con's the OG. Yeah, the
2: OG. Because like like Watergate is the first scandal, yeah. and everybody goes gate. Yeah. So Comic Con is the first. Con, con? It's the OG. Yeah 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 yeah, like yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah.
3: I got it. Like you know, you still want the old Comic Con shirt, and sure. I think for us, we, we realize realized from our brand, there's some things that are a little bit more culturally relevant and authentic in ways that we can we can showcase, and that was sort of the desire. And as you're looking around, this is the start. And the thought, you know, I, as you know now, New York City kid, I believe in the neighborhood. Um, And that like I always felt like when I was you know go up to the Bronx It would feel different than when I was living in Queens Right like every neighborhood feels different and the the thought of how we could create these different neighborhoods for NBA fandom and give fans a totally different vibe is is the vision of where NBA con Starting right now and is going to go is that each of these neighborhoods across fashion or tech or music or the park I want like that to feel like a New York City park like as I was walking around I was like where's the person pushing the shaved ice? Where's the dudes playing chess? Like, that's a New York City park to me. Um, and so we're quick, trying to quick, add these Quick elements. side note.
2: So my dad was a New Yorker. My dad was from yeah. the Bronx. He moved out to Long Island when he was like 13, 14. And I grew up in Southern California, but he'd take me back. Did he call you soft? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but the only thing that he didn't get that I would bitch about was we'd go and play in New York City in the summers. He'd, he'd get me on the court at West Forth or at some of these other courts. Yeah. And I'm like, I hate playing there. He's like, why? He's like, you know, outside of West Forth, nobody has any Mets. Yeah. Like, I hate no
3: nets. That's, you know? a, good, that's a great point. I, I can't take the, like no the nets. Do you like the chain? I, I miss the chain. A I lot. actually,
2: I hated the chain. Yeah. Because when you're in like middle school, high school, before you can dunk, you know, you go up and you could touch the net. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's something cool about hitting the, the swish with the net side. I was going to say,
3: especially your jumper. I mean,
2: you could it was, shoot. It was No, I could not. That was, that was, <laughs> I was like, a, I, honestly, I was a West Coast New York City point guard. I, every, you know, I could dribble past all the fancy yeah. stuff, but I couldn't shoot. So, um,. Anyway, so I, I do know so that was the so from four years ago Ron comes up with the idea, hey please got a deck. But what do you think NBA Con? Yeah. Okay, so how did you decide on Summer League and Vegas?
3: Yeah. And not New York City. I think the desire was like each of our marquee events have, have a different vibe. When you when you want to launch something here, it's it's the players. And we've got over a hundred separate appearances, more than sixty players walking through here. I mean incredible, incredible live conversations later today. We're going to roll Victor and Kareem. Like, I mean, that, I, I want to sit so, in that room. I've never, like... How'd you guys get Kareem to come? That guy right there, Michael Levine. Uh, michael Levine, who's our head of player marketing, who's an incredible, like, built his entire career on the relationships that he creates. Michael, Michael's michael got Kareem coming. Um, he's built an incredible relationship with Victor's team. So we've got Victor, Kareem, followed up by Carmelo and Scoop. And then we're doing the in-season tournament announcement. Like, that's three hours as a basketball fan as a fan of the nba as a fan of just great content okay can i I give you a
2: suggestion for next year
3: i want to hear it i got i got a notebook i'll take notes can you
2: get the peach jam here can you get the eybl here (laughs) because because lebron is coaching russell westbrook's coaching chris paul's coaching and chris paul's kid will be in it next year he's a he'll be a ninth grader right kyan anthony is is playing in it like can you imagine? No, I know. Like, I, mean, I can't imagine being a high school kid and these guys are coaching. Like LeBron James he
3: is coaching an AAU team. It's unbelievable, right? Yes. I mean, very different from when we were we were playing. No doubt. Yeah, I had like a, a dad who I was played, coming off a double shift. I, I played for I played for Kareem by the way in the USBL. Really?
2: Yes. Yes.
3: Wow. That's that's crazy. Yes. That's crazy. Wow. I mean, in a shocking development,
2: we butted heads a lot, but we made, made up since. I, that, but <laughs> so, NBA Con comes to be. Yeah. Now the announcement last week is okay. The in tournament is the next big step. Yeah. That's like the that's like the cups, and when you like, I, when I played in France, played in Europe, yep. played in Israel. It's the it's the cup format, right? Yeah. So, I guess. The idea is what to get people more, to get guys to play, to get people more enthused in early season basketball.
3: What's the thinking behind it? I think it's just alternate competitive formats. I think all of us believe that when we put our players in, in competitive in competitive environments, like the game, the game's amazing. And as our game has continued to grow, it's more and more international. And our international players are used to different types of competitive formats. They grew up. Watching all of the things that have happened, you know, in in soccer, um, and seeing and seeing the ways they put it together, but I think we've also seen in the U.S. right the rise of March Madness and the continued growth of of the collegiate game. We've looked at the way that college basketball has you know built their you know all the holiday tournaments that they have. But even when you come here to Summer League, why I love Summer League. I mean, it's ten days of really good basketball. Yeah, it's not always pretty as yeah. guys don't have you know they're not on the team for a long period of time. They don't have the time to run practices in the same way. But guys play incredibly hard. And I, I, that's why I love. I mean, I could sit and watch ten hours of summer league basketball every day of the week. We got to watch two practices here yesterday, um, and somebody came up to me and they said, "I can't believe how hard the Cavs players are going on a practice." Trying to make a team. Exactly right. Right. They're trying to make a team. I,
2: I, I tried to. I, I, that's why I thought. I thought Webin Yama that was a tough spot for him because you're going against a bunch of guys that are trying to make a team, trying to make a name for themselves, and he he's. Clearly tired and yeah. doesn't know what he's
3: doing, right? Well, was, and, and no better way for anybody to make the name themselves, than right, than, right? Than to like go young. yeah. But I think so when we think about the in season tournament, that's 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 the desire, is like can we can we create more competitive environments? And so I think we're thinking about it was the way we thought about the play in. And I think that's been an incredible success for the league. Agreed. is like just additional layers of competitive environments are really good for are really good for our players, they're good for the league, and they're incredible for the fans. Uh,
2: last thing, you're the head of Global events, right? So when you travel globally, yeah. What are the names that resonate the most?
3: Like, do people still? Is Jordan still? Uh, I mean, that you, yeah, you threw out, you threw out the goat. I mean, is it, yeah. but
2: is he, is he, is he still that overseas, or has? Because I know how big Kobe was in China. Yeah. Right. I know how big in Philippines yeah. as, as well, because they're gigantic Lakers
3: fans. Like, what, what is the pecking order when you travel global? Well, I think the one thing that's really changed in the last couple of years is people want to root for their own. Right? So I think where Jordan and Kobe were, you know, truly transcendent global stars and they will be for, forever, for you know, for all of history. Um, but you, now you've got Luka. Right? You've got Jokic. And these are kind of names where when you're growing up like there's there's now an added level of pride. Real pride. That's my guy. And I don't think I think that has been one of the real transformations over the last couple of years. And I think that's going to be the opportunity with Victor. Um, you know, I'm sure at some point we're going to have an incredible opportunity to take the Spurs uh, at some point. You know, to, to Europe. Well, like it, the amount of pride that people will have will feel really different. And I think that started with I mean Yao in China, um, and you know the, the way where people feel like they you know they want to root for one of their own. And so I think that has been one of the real changes. That's been so exciting about the growth of the international game.
2: All right, this is probably the longest you'll be off your cell phone for the entire week. Yeah, you got, you did. You, you, I got to say, I tip my cap to you. <laughs> so this has been amazing. It's an amazing event. Yeah. I look forward to year two. I can't and wait. seeing the growth. I appreciate you telling
3: your story. That no. that means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you. Now we did the, we did number one, so that means I got you for number two. Like, you definitely. Well, yeah. you You're did. a good man. Thank you, buddy. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.
2: Uh, well, look, I have lots of thoughts on the NBA Cup, having played in three foreign countries. Uh, the cup format I like. Now, the difference in the cup format in foreign countries is that first and second division is uh, usually involved, right? So, like when you're playing in France in the in the French Cup in the regular season, Pro B plays against Pro A. Now, they usually get dusted, but occasionally there's an upset. So that, 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 and so I, I like the format. They have the they have the pools, the pod system. It's and uh, with the exception when you're playing a championship game, everybody's going to play 82. So only whoever plays in the championship game play 83. And the idea is to bring more attention to the NBA regular season. I obviously don't love the timing of it. You know, um, although December is college hoops with all the holiday hoops season going on, it is also, you know, college bowl season and uh, college football playoff season. And I and of course the NFL is at its peak and the NFL is king. So I don't know how it'll work. But I I gotta commend Adam Silver. Like I'm pretty hard on Adam Silver sometimes, but if you think about it, trying to do something different in a season that's been 82 games and kind of mundane for our lifetime, it's kind of cool. So uh, we'll talk more about it on uh, the the upcoming pods here from NBA Con. But my thanks to Joey Graziano, that was Emotional, that was raw, that was real. That's as as good as as uh, I've ever been forced to be a part of. And, um, yeah, my my brain when he had told me at the before he when he sat down, we started just kind of chit chatting, and he had told me that he was a baseball player at Georgetown in two thousand two to two thousand five, and then he mentioned that his dad was a New York City firefighter. My wheels were spinning, and he let me in. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball.
1: Winning is an everyday mindset and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen.